Hey everybody, uh, Pastor Josh Corbin here with Thinking Rightly About God. We're here in our Bible study of Philippians. Uh, we're now in chapter 2, so if you want to grab your Bibles, a pen, and some paper, we're going to work our way through Philippians uh, chapter 2. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. We thank you for your word, uh, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Lord, I pray that it helps us grow in faith and wisdom and understanding so that we can be more like you and serve others with a pure love and a pure heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's see. Uh, Diving into chapter 2, we have uh, seen Paul uh, bring about encouragement at the end of chapter 1 where he is talking about um, to live as Christ and to die as gain and that in this life there is going to be some suffering. There's going to be some things that we're going to um, go through, and as if we remember in the book of Romans where he talked about that God works all things to the good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. And that good that he has called us to and working us towards is to be more like Jesus. So our sufferings, our heartaches, our hardships that we go through make us more like Christ. We read about this in Peter, we read about it in John, we read about it in the book of James. And so Paul starts these words, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love and participation with the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, the same love, and full accord and of one mind. And this idea is he's begun to transition from the heartaches that we go through to actually look to Christ as our encouragement that he suffered too. And then that we are able to use that encouragement found in Christ, that we recognize the love, that we come to know the Holy Spirit, that we participate with God in his good work into uh, the mission of the gospel. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. And from this, it actually brings joy to Paul. Paul being their pastor, being their shepherd, uh, he wants to know that they are working together in the same mind and the same love and full accord um, of one mind. And, and this is something very difficult for today. I think uh, we as a Christians and the church as a whole is suffering uh, because we are not of the same love, same mind, and we're not in accord with one another. I, I think there is much we can see in the media, how we view the church, how we view scriptures, what we see as God's purpose. Many of these things that are, 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 are getting in our way of being of what the, the Bible truly speaks, and that's Something that I want to encourage all of us in this new year is to consider what it means to be of the same mind and the same love and in full accord with one another. And how we begin to actually, as the church, come together in unity and and instead of tearing each other down, but learning to build each other up. And I think Paul gives us encouragement to how to do this. If you look at verse 3 and 4, we have this idea, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but think and act in humility, counting others more significant than yourselves. There's, this isn't that you empty yourself completely of what of life. That's what verse four says. Not, not only looking, not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Uh, Paul is sensible, and so is God. God knows that that we need to eat, uh, that we have to work, that we need a place to live, and, and so Paul's not saying just. Give it all away and do and and just be your own, uh, you know, person in need. But to truly, as you consider out your actions, as you are going about, are you p- considering what 
you're doing and how that might affect others. And this is, I think, the heart of the church. And sometimes, and it's very natural as human beings, that we can become very selfish. When we're in need, we, we want to take, we want to be comforted, we want to be soothed, but we're not always thinking about what that might have to do with someone else. And so Paul is saying, as we move from independent individuals of different minds, that we move to the one mind and one love, that we do it in a way that is not selfish, that, that we're doing it in a selfless manner. And, and as we are taking care of our own family, as we love on our spouses and we love on our children and we love on our neighbors, that that interest of our own is actually in the interest of others. And, and ultimately, which the one mind comes from being in Christ. Now, here's a, a an interesting segment, and this is, I'd like to highlight the importance of not taking something um, out of context. These next few verses, if misconceived, uh, could change Christianity as a whole. If you read verse 6, who, through he, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God. If you just looked at that one verse, you could say, well, Jesus who was in spirit form, in the form of God, was not equal to God? Well, no, that's that would be contrary to Christian doctrine. We, For many years, this is a believed truth that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are equal. Uh, same one, one God, three persons. So this same in essence, but having different attributes. So Jesus was not created by God, but he was everlasting with God. He has no beginning or end. Uh, Christ is, before he came to earth, was in the form of God, so he was only in spirit. And so in verse 7, when he came to earth, he came to earth in the form of man, and he took on the form or the likeness of a servant. And that's where we read in uh, the Gospel of John where, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and he says he made himself as a servant. Jesus wasn't any less man or any less God in that moment, but it, the role that he was taking on, that what, how he was being perceived by others, was he was being perceived as a servant. So much so in obedience to the will of God, the will of the Father, is being found in human form. He humbled himself to being uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross. And this is an example for all of us. We, we, as Christians, are called to follow Christ, deny ourselves, and pick up our cross. And, and there is something that as we are desiring to follow after Christ, we, it, Christ, it must come with humility, and it comes with obedience. And, and sometimes we uh, want to do it our way. You know, the great Frank Sinatra song, um, I Did It My Way. You know, even Bon Jovi sings a similar song where, where this self-expression and I did it myself and I worked so hard and I strived and I did and I achieved. It's a very self-centered, me-focused mentality and Christianity is the opposite. That's what we just read, that, that we do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but everything in humility, counting others greater than ourselves. So even as Christ doing the greatest gift of self-humility, of becoming a servant and becoming uh, and, and dying on a cross for you and I, which in turn, God would then give him the name that was above all names, uh, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the great anthem of Christianity. We believe that there is no other name by which you can be saved. There's no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. And we know that it, at one point in time, when Christ returns, that the entire universe will bow and worship the name of Jesus. And that's whether in heavens or on earth or under the earth. And as we confess and as we move through this life, we have a responsibility to do everything to the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ. And how do we do this? Well, we do this through obedience. Verse 12, as Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, he's encouraging them in his absence to be obedient because in, their, in his presence when he was with them, they were a very... Uh, beautiful church. They they were very generous and humble. They were very obedient to the word of God. They they did everything that Paul was encouraging. And now he's trying to reinforce that as he's gone. And so you see, pending on your translations, you might see the words, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is not uh, that you need to save yourself, but that you are working out of to bring about is is what these very words are saying. It's the encouragement that um, there is, uh, you, you have been born again, and then out of that comes the life, the fruit uh, of your salvation. And how do you do it? You do this with uh, fear and trembling or a sense of reverence and, and a, an attitude that God is so great that he is demands our worship he demands our our fear he demands our 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 attention jesus says do not fear he who can kill the body but fear he who can uh kill the body and cast the soul into hell this is who we are talking about but paul moves in a slightly different direction in that out of the salvation that we're working in, we recognize that God is working in us. He is working in us for His will and His good pleasure. And our response is obedience and, um, and faith, right? And to love and to, to cherish what God has done for us. Uh, it's very hard in a world that rejects God, that they would rather uh, be in hell with their friends and they, they make fun of Christians because we uh, want to worship God because of what he's done for us. And they don't see the same thing. And that's what happens in verse 15. All right, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation, among whom you shine as a light unto the world. And this is why we're to do everything without grumbling and complaining. This is the attitude we have. The attitude is is really the key to the Christian life. This isn't to say that when you have a hard day that you don't uh, in, uh, work through it. You know, I, I have many uh, hard days where you face tragedy and suffering of others and, and you're processing it and you're trying to figure it out. And not every day might have a smile, but in that, you know, the attitude that I carry is to to love God and love people through it so that I can be the light, right? And as Paul says, verse 16, holding on to the word of life. And that that is the the Bible, the words of Christ are the words of Christ. And and I want like Paul to be proud of my church, to be proud of the people who are under my care, that so that in in turn that my work was not a labor of vain, but that it actually came 
to a great reward. And that's uh, what Paul begins to encourage Timothy in verses 19 through 30. Uh, life is going to bring about hard things. You know, we read about this Aphroditus, this brother who actually almost died, verse 27. Uh, indeed, he was ill near death. Uh, serving the Lord is going to be hard. It will not always bring about life and prosperity. Uh, it could cost you something. It could actually even cost you your life. Uh, many of our brothers sis, and sisters out in, in the Middle East and China and in different countries where there is great hostility to Christianity uh, lose their lives because of the efforts that they are bringing to spread the gospel. Uh, I, it, it is here in America that we do not necessarily face persecution as such where our life might be demanded of it, but we will possibly lose business. We could lose family members. We could lose friends. Uh, we could lose our status if we choose to follow Christ with our whole heart. But God is the merciful one. That, that God is going to have mercy on you and that in through that we might rejoice. Right, And this is how Paul ends this section. It says, I am more eager to send him. Now talking about Timothy. Uh, Therefore, you may rejoice in seeing him again. There's, there, And I might be less anxious. Paul knew that Timothy was a good caretaker and that he wanted him to go and care for the church in Philippi. Um, and he too nearly died for the work of the Christ, risking to complete what was lacking uh, in your service. There is much uh, of of this that that we have to be serious about our mission, that we as a church have to carry a sword and a shield and be ready for battle. Christianity is a lot more of a battleship than it is a cruise liner. Uh, it is easy for us to become comfortable in our prosperity and our blessings that God has given us. And I, I won't deny that we've been very blessed as a people here in the United States uh, with our economics and with our safety and with uh, the the abundance of life, but we should never take it for granted. We should never um, become so complacent in our our peace that we become uh, lackadaisical in the truth and in our faith. And that's my encouragement to you as we move uh, through this Christmas season that you continue to serve the mission of the gospel. That you are willing. Uh, whether through prayer or finances or even going to the ends of the earth to reach the lost, to care for those, regardless of what it might cost you, whether it be your life or your property or your health or your relationships. Be blessed and tune in next week.